0: okay everybody welcome back to talk of the now podcast and i am your host gene and it's so good to have everybody back with me and today i have another kind of different interview uh slash guest today and i have um miss ashley freeman how are you doing ashley
1: doing well thanks glad to be here
0: yeah me and ashley go way back um we uh attended the same church for a while and um I knew her husband um, before even knowing her, but I didn't know didn't know y'all at the same time kind of, um, but it's good to see you again.
1: You too. It's been a while, so I'm glad we're able to do this.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I kind of wanted to bring Ashley on because in my opinion, Ashley is sort of a, has a great field that she works in. Um, Ashley is a um, wonderful woman entrepreneur that's in the business of um, helping people, I'd say in a lot of ways, um, but without... Um, you know, I'll let you explain it, but you do work for a company called Flourishing Work LLC. Is that correct?
1: That's my business.
0: <laughs> okay. And uh, like, just, I guess, tell us what you do.
1: Sure. I, well, I have the best job in the world. <laughs> it's my dream job. Uh, I right. Flourishing Work is the company I started about three years ago, 2018. Uh, and I am the lead facilitator and coach. So I facilitate workshops on a variety of interpersonal and leadership topics, and then I coach individuals on their journey.
0: Nice. Um, you, um, you have a master's if my correct is at Emory university. Is that where you uh, yes. got your master's? Okay. How long, how long ago was that?
1: Around the same time as when I started my business. So I graduated May, 2018.
0: Mm-hmm. The- okay. And what was, um, I guess we'll start kind of from the beginning. Um, what was sort of your career aspirations or did you have any coming out of your, you know, undergrad and what sort of led you into getting into this, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Not, not at all. It's a, it's a winding tale, so I'll try to keep it brief, but my yeah. undergrad was actually in French and music. So um, how I ended up here is, <laughs> uh, it was quite a journey. So um, yeah, I... I graduated in the last recession. And so the, the jobs in, in teaching French and music were, were difficult to come by. Um, so I was fortunate to uh, have a position offered to me in the medical research field uh, at Emory, which I graciously accepted, of course, um, and built a career around that. So I, I was there for about 10 years in various roles. And like everyone, I had, you know, good and bad bosses. We, we, all, we all have that kind of journey. And, and, it, and, and that really inspired me to think about what makes a good leader, what makes a poor leader? What is, is leadership a thing? How do you study that? What is there a right and wrong answer? What, what does it mean? And so I became very curious about that. Um, meanwhile, I, I, I thought I wanted to go into marketing. So that's why I actually started the MBA program was to go into to transition into marketing from my sort of administrative roles. And then halfway through the MBA program, I started managing a team, and my life changed forever. So that was when I really found the passion for mm-hmm. applied leadership, if you will, because I had been studying it in the business school as just part of our core curriculum. Uh, and but but when you you study it at night, see, I was in the evening MBA program, and then applying it by day uh, with my team. When you see the 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 magic that happens when you apply the theory in. Actual practice. Oh man, I just fell in love. (laughs) So uh, I I loved managing, and uh, the the reason that I launched out on my own was that I just wanted simply to be able to impact more lives than my one team. I loved what I did as a manager, um, building trust and uh, you know helping people develop in in their career paths. Very meaningful work, um, but I just wanted to have a bigger impact. So uh, I decided to launch my business so that I could. Uh, teach interpersonal leadership skills on a much wider scale and, and coach, uh, coach individuals. So it just allows me to have a, a wider audience, a bigger impact.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. What um, I just, I have a few questions that I wanted to ask that I came up with um, that I think are something that an audience might want to know, or I even want to know. Um, what do you love about what you do?
1: That's a great question. And it's, it really gets to that impact I was talking about. So even in the span of one coaching hour, I have the privilege of watching somebody's life get better. So whether that's getting more clarity or solving a pain point, they just, they either feel a sigh of relief or they have this light bulb moment and you just, just being able to see their face light up after just even one hour of coaching is, is just the best feeling in the entire world. And mm-hmm. the same thing applies when I'm facilitating. It's just, it's a, it's a little bit longer process where I'm developing the material and, um, you know, facilitating for multiple hours at a time, you know, depending on, on the engagement. So it's just, it's just a little bit longer process, but the same thing, you, you, you get to see lives change, hearts open up, eyes bright. It, it's, so mm-hmm. it's it's just that 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 impact that you see even on even in the span of an hour is just amazing.
0: Can you think of any, um, I guess um, you know maybe I mean you obviously you don't have to use any names or um, specifics, but you, can, are there a couple of um, success stories that stand out to you?
1: Hmm. Oh, that's a really good question. Well, let me see. Uh, there was one that that stands out that I'm thinking of where, uh, I had a coaching client at a in, a in a corporate setting who was really struggling with needing to give their manager some feedback uh, and and ask for something that they weren't getting, mm-hmm. um, but were afraid to approach that conversation. Afraid is kind of a strong word. It was just a, as a hesitancy and a just kind of getting stuck around how to frame that conversation. Uh, and so a, a great coach will help you think through on your own kind of how to uh, reframe a situation or find clarity in a situation. So we just talked through some ways to approach that conversation. And by the end of it, this this, this client um, just just absolutely lit up and said, not only do I know how to do this, I just would have never thought that I could approach the same conversation, but in different ways. And now I'm excited to go into work today. Hmm. <laughs> And to have that outcome, you know, after after just an hour of of coaching, is just I just love it.
0: Oh, I bet. You know, one of the things that um, I see as somebody that's worked in corporate for more than fifteen years, um, a big struggle that we have as employees, you know, a lot of times I've found you have the executive side, the managerial side, then you have the employee side, um, and as an employee. I feel like, um, you're, you're sort of, you know, you're on the corporate ladder, so to speak. And a lot of times you're looking for ways to, to get ahead, so to speak, or to get, or to, um, you know, I guess advance, so to speak. And so, um, I've thought about that before. Have What do you have people that ask you about this? Cause I've wondered myself, there's always that, that, um, argument of what do I do to, um, well, flourish, that's a good word to use, <laughs> flourish in my job so that I get noticed. And that when, when and if a time comes for promotion, um, how do I set myself up for that? Is that a relevant question that somebody might come to you with?
1: Of course. Yeah, there's uh, a couple of workshops I teach on similar topics. One is personal brand. And I think that's kind of more of the topic you're mm. referring to. And so, you know, I guess if I had to give one key takeaway from that, Uh, The the one I would probably zero in on is that people can't read your mind. Mm. Um, And so if you if you aren't putting yourself out there or, you know, there's any infinite number of ways you can do this, you know, updating your social media uh, with the with the keywords that you want to be known for, or um, taking on projects uh, if it's something you enjoy, it's not really going to drain you to take on a little bit of extra work, but are there are there other meetings you can join that you're not currently part of? Because if you're not in, let's say you want to move into a sales role, if you're not in the sales meetings or talking to any of the sales people, nobody's going to associate you with sales and they can't read your mind. <laughs> so um, so it, you, you kind of have to make that known. And, and there are, like I said, a lot of different ways that you can do that. Um, but if if you are consistently performing and doing the tasks that are just part of your job description, then there's not really a way that other people are going to associate you with something else. Unfortunately, as much as I wish it were the case, we don't all have that sort of mentor or sponsor in our company who's watching our career path and thinking about the next step for us, we really have to completely take ownership of that. Um, and whether it's within the same company or another one, it's it's the same process It's just making sure that you're having conversations. Are you taking people to coffee virtually or in person, uh whatever you know your comfort level is? Uh, mm-hmm. Are you are you <clears throat> are you being included on some of the meetings on that topic? Are, you know, what what do people come to you for advice about? Uh, I had a I had a client one time who uh her answer to that question was IT problems, and she wanted to be a manager in the company. And so we talked about how, well, <laughs> in, in order to dissociate with the brand of being the IT girl, there there has to be some proactive work of, first of all, helping some of the people solve some of their own problems, empowering them to understand uh, how how to fix those issues without needing to come to her, because that really wasn't her role anyway. Um, but then also being proactive about what she does want to be known for. So if she wants to be known for management potential, um, can she talk to some of her colleagues about some uh, articles that she's read? Can she uh, let her boss know that she's looking for those roles? Can she network within the company and talk to people who are in similar roles that she's looking for? So there are just tons of things that you can do. Um, and I guess the only other thing I would add is is there's, there's a risk there of the easy route is what you've always done and being known for more of that. But if you don't love, I mean, love what you do, then you want to tweak what you're known for so that you get more of what you love. Um, so, you know, just being proactive about, okay, well, what do I like about my role and what I would not like and what do I want more of and less of? Because if you're really good at, say, Uh, The example I like to give in the talk I give about this is, uh, you know, I had a department chairman that associated me highly with reporting. And he said to my boss at the time, he said, you know, I I see Ashley's role as a reporting role. Well, not only was that not my job, but (laughs) it's not what I wanted to be known for. I absolutely hated running reports. I mean, you can tell with my my career choice, I love people. I wanna be working with people and helping people, not running reports and thinking about numbers. And, you know, so it it was not the brand I wanted. but it was it was something that I had to be very proactive about, OK, clearly, I don't want to be known for that because I may be very good at it. It's so good that the, de- the department chairman sees that as my entire job, but that's not what I want to be known for. So let me still do a good job because it's my job to run those reports. But let me be proactive about being known for what I want more of. If
0: that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I see that there's a gap. And I think that that speaks to a little bit of what you're talking about um, between a company and its employees when it comes to career development, Um, even based on myself or others that I've known. Like you said, where you have somebody that's maybe running reports all day and they're just sitting there kind of thinking, yes, that's the 18,000th bean that I've counted today, you know, where as they would rather be in HR you know bringing somebody in and saying tell me what do you want to do with yourself you know as opposed to another person that might be in hr saying oh my gosh i've got to interview another person today (laughs) but i'd rather be over there running excel reports all day um i I feel like there's a gap between um and, and to me this is a a big question that i don't think a lot of companies know how to answer or even employees um like let's just think about um 1800 or eighteen twenty that period i I recently read a biography of Benjamin Franklin, and back in those days a guy you know if he wanted to um say for instance Benjamin Franklin he, he they were mentorship was like fun like that was the way to go, whether it be you grew up on your dad's farm um your parents' farm or you you started working like he did in the, in the, um, the candle industry, because his dad was a candle maker and um, his brother eventually became a printer. And so he, you know, it was sort of like a deal where they would like sort of apply for apprenticeships. Like he became an apprentice at his brother's um, printing company. And, and so I've always wondered, you know, if companies are having a hard time doing this when, you know, you have a bottom line, say, for instance, you know, you're creating widgets every day or you're giving a service for somebody, you know, you have those uh, deadlines to meet, those SLAs as they call them. Um, and, but you have that, you know, for instance, you have that person that's sitting there, they're counting those widgets every day, but they would be the perfect analyst or they'd be a, they would be a great um Let's just use an industry, um, accounting. Um, they might be a great person to be at a managerial level, but they've been there and they're sort of in that rut of just, you know, they, they just do their spreadsheets or whatever they do with accounting every day. Um, it seems to me like a lot of companies have a hard time identifying who those people are and, and helping them, you know. And I'm not saying it's on the company to, to do that, but it seems like they have a hard time getting them to where they need to be. So like if you're, you know, let's say your name is Mary and you're you're in accounts payable, but you'd really like to be in HR or you'd really like to get into IT. I've always wondered, um, you know, is it the, would it, I, I think that it would be a lot helpful if companies would help them with doing career assessment to where they could see, how do you bridge that gap? So, you know, because she's obviously an asset and would be an asset if she were in, um you know the field that she wanted to be in. But oftentimes I feel like she ends up having to look outside the company. And so that company has to pay, you know, someone else to do it for them. And then the other company she goes to, they have to make that other investment. You know what I mean? So I don't really know where I'm going with that. But that, that seems like an issue to me.
1: Yeah. No, it's a great point. And I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talked about of the business outcomes as a result of it because we all have to choose priorities and we've got to as as you know in organizations think about what's impacting the bottom line whether you're for profit or non-profit you've got to get the job done and the goals met um but but what you're pointing out is exactly true which is that if an employee has a passion area and a, a role that they're not in they would be more uh motivated and energized to do that other role. And so as a organization leader, you would get more work out of that person. So it may, it's not just a altruistic, oh, let's make sure everybody's happy kind of thing. It's actually better outcomes when you think that way. So, I mean, to your point about how do you practically do that? Well, there, there are certainly, you know, any number of ways that you could do it. Um, but I think that you, you also kind of hinted at, that it's, it's a two-way street. You said, you, you know, you don't think it's entirely on the, on the, the, the business or the, the the organization. And I agree. I don't think that, you know, again, they can't read the employee's mind. The employee's got to say, I have an interest in this. Um, so it's absolutely got to be a two-way street.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: There's got to be what we call, you know, psychological safety, where the employee feels safe speaking up, because some people are going to feel like if, if they don't feel safe speaking up, that, that if they say they don't like their job, <laughs> or that there could be improvement, that there might be some consequences to that. So on the leader's end, there's got to be some Psychological safety to help that employee feel like they can speak up some demonstration that you care about what that employee wants to do, you know, asking questions like, um, you know, where, where would you like to be in five years and how can I help you get there. It's going to benefit the company in the long term to have those kind of conversations, even if the employee wants to leave. I mean, think about someone who's absolutely miserable and hates what they do. Wouldn't you rather have someone who likes it? Right. <laughs> so, um, so either way, it's gonna it's gonna benefit the bottom line to have those conversations. Um, when employees feel appreciated, they work much harder. Um, so, but again, mm-hmm. it's a two way street. You 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 have to you have to say what you're interested in as an employee, be willing to take on some extra projects. But if you enjoy it, it's not going to be that draining to you. So it, it works out really well. But then also on the organization and on the frontline manager um, side, all of those are kind of in alignment around that that bigger purpose. Then, then that's where those opportunities exist.
0: When do you think a employee, like uh, we'll use again, Mary as our example. Um, when do you think she should decide that she should uh, leave company x to go to company c you know and start getting a resume ready when she feels like you know all they want me to do is stay in accounts payable they're not interested in me ever working in hr or or getting into the it department to become like a business analyst
1: yeah it's a great question uh, and i don't think there's a single right answer but some thoughts that come to mind Um, I would first test that assumption because it's, it's really easy. And I'm certainly guilty in the past as well of just not really having that conversation. Mm. If you're at the point where you're ready to leave, then you should probably at least take some risk (laughs) and say, if it's that bad, you know, even if you don't feel that supported by your manager. So I would just first test the assumption. Are you sure? Yeah. That they really aren't interested or is there an assumption there that because they said X or they acted a certain way that, or they didn't treat another employee that let's just be sure first before we take drastic measures. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, absolutely, you're, you, none of us is guaranteed another week on earth so don't stay in a place that you're miserable by all means if you if you have another option, um, start looking, see what else is out there even Looking to see what else is out there doesn't mean you have to take another role, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's an incredibly helpful exercise to look around, see what else is out there, see if it would be a better fit. Um, if so, great. If not, then you then you gained perspective to realize that you actually do have it really good. You may, you know, be able to take on some extra projects or help in another department or get involved in some, you know, a, a out, outside of work type of thing um, in your local community. Um, part of your family helping helping a friend there are all kinds of ways that you could find meaning in what you do. Um, so yeah I would say that for me that threshold would be you you're you've tried you've had that conversation you've tried um, you uh, have felt unsupported for some time it's not just a, a short-term type of thing you've've you've really given your effort and exhausted the resources brought in some other, um, you know, people into it. And if you just truly feel unsupported and that there isn't a path, then, like I said, life is too short. You know, definitely yeah. see, see what you can do to find meaning and work.
0: Yeah. I think that's good advice. Um, you advised me a while back. Um, I was already sort of doing it, but you sort of uh, reiterated it in a lot of ways. I'm a big fan of this guy named Brian Buffini. Um, he's a real estate uh, dude that's um, Irish and he moved to America at the age, he has an incredible story. He moved here. Um, maybe in the early '80s, and he he, he literally had like two dollars in his pocket, and came to America, moved to San Diego, and started basically a um, a real estate empire. But he started out just um, painting. His he was a painter, you know, painted houses um, with his dad in Ireland, and then he came to America, started out from there, and like he at one point he was like two hundred thousand dollars in debt, and then you know eventually got out of that got into real estate. I mean, he's worth, you know, multi-millions now, but he has a great podcast that I listen to from time to time. And and like what you do is a lot of what he talks about. um, Just sort of the um, finding your purpose, if you will, finding your calling um, vocation, not necessarily job uh, and job could be it one day, but um, he, he really goes into that. And that reminds me of that. For instance, um, I'm big into art um, drawing, painting. It's something I like to do. I like the creative arts um, and uh, there's a couple of projects that I've been doing, including this podcast, which is why you're on it for one reason. <laughs> uh, so thank you there. Um, but um, there's been things I, I'm, I'm working on a short film now, um, sort of a, a comedy short film. It's going really slow. Um, I'm working on um, this, the podcast I've, I've belted out about almost eight episodes which is really fun um, doing both interviews and um, kind of just uh, back and forth with a a semi co-host named Jason. And um, I've been trying to work more on my drawing and art skills, um, such as um, maybe even looking into trying to learn animation, just as a new skill to learn and see how I like it, you know, Um, because I used to draw cartoon characters as a kid. And I always liked it. And I sort of think, well, what happened to that? You know, why don't I get back in that? So I think that the the things and lessons that you're talking about, really, when people start looking, you know, instead of having that, um, I guess, laser focus or, you know, uh, blinders over the eyes like the horses have, sometimes it can be good to look in your peripheral to see, you know, what else is out there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really well said because I, I think I used the word easy earlier. It's really easy to just do what you've done and go to the next logical step of, you know, if you're a manager, go to senior manager, or if you're in, you know, a specialist, go to whatever, I, you know, it, it's just so easy. Now, it doesn't mean enjoyable, but easy, mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of the logical next step. But if you really want to find purpose, and this is part of what I'm, I'm writing a book on, on finding your career purpose, and, and what, mm-hmm. I, what I write in there is it it's not a it's not a logical path. The logical stuff is really important. And it's it's supposed to be something you do uh, in conjunction with it. But if you if you want to find meaningful, purposeful work, you've got to listen to how you feel, <laughs> which doesn't mean that I'm all about touchy feely. You know, that's not what I mean. Um, right. What I mean is that only you know how you feel. So if you try the uh, the animation and you feel a sense of repulsion toward it. Nobody else can feel that for you and say you shouldn't do that. Only you can feel that. So those are what I call emotional leads or whatever you want to call it. But just Mm. it's a it's a clue that that's not if that's how it makes you feel and that's not going to be purposeful work for you or meaningful or fulfilling, whatever word you want to use. Whereas if you read a job description or you go interview for a company, let's say you're just checking out what's in the periphery, as you said. Uh, you interview for a company and you just feel this sense of excitement. Well, again, nobody can feel that for you. Somebody who's say a a career coach, Mm -hmm. wonderful, very, very helpful people. And I highly recommend them. Um, But where, where their help ends is to say, well, this is kind of your next um, step that would make sense for your career. Or what are you interested in and how we can fit the, the pieces together? Again, very important stuff, but they can't, feel that sense of excitement when you go interview for a company and you may not know why you feel that way, but that's what you have to follow if you want to find the meaningful work. And, and, and the, your, your job is simply to, to keep relentlessly following those little leads that you get until you, until that feeling gets stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you find your career purpose. It'll be like, you're jumping out of your, <laughs> you want to jump out of your body. You're so excited.
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like I heard um, or read this somewhere that it's a good idea nowadays, You know, you think about our economy, how crazy it is compared to like 1978, for instance. You think about like 1978. Okay. First off, it was mostly men, probably in most corporations, smoke-filled rooms. You know, I'm sure you're, you know, I I know they had a lot of females that worked as well, but a lot of times I guess they were maybe secretaries or receptionists or teachers or nurses, that sort of thing. Um, But a lot of times it was go to school, um, try to land a job, work in that company till you're you know, hopefully 60 years old, retire, get your pension, et cetera. It seems like nowadays it's almost like a, um, um, I guess maybe sort of like comparable to a professional sport. So we don't make nearly the kind of money they do where it's like, everybody's sort of a free agent, you know? And if, the and if this person doesn't like this company, they may just, they may just leave in two years or they may just get furloughed in two years. So it seems like, um, there's a, guy named um scott adams and he wrote a book something to the effect of how to um h- how to succeed by failing or something of that nature i can not remember the name of it to save my life right now but um he basically talks about having a um talent stack where you're basically adding to your um re- repertoire if you will of what you know how to do and what you're good at so for instance for me when i'm learning animation i'm adding to that talent stack I, um, I enjoy woodworking. I'm adding to that talent stack. So for instance, maybe if I get laid off a year from now, you know, if I've worked up my woodworking skills and I need to put food on the table, well, maybe I can go find a job working for a carpenter in a woodworking shop, you know, doing that for a while, et cetera. You know what I mean? So I think that to me, that is a huge thing nowadays in this economy. I mean, the, the big joke last year was, I don't know if you remember, they were talking in the media a lot about some of the pipeline workers that had been laid off um and uh they were told some some, i don't know if it was the president someone said you know well maybe they can start learning code i mean it's kind of a joke but at the same time there's some truth to that you know um there's nothing wrong with pursuing your passions and hobbies and getting new ones
1: right and to your point how do you know that you don't like it until you try it it may not be the coding itself, but it may be the type of people that you work with or the type of clients or the environment being able to, you know, if you're more introverted, maybe you, you realize that you hated the, the office environment and it's great that you get to kind of be alone more. I mean, who knows until you try it, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, and feel like I was talking about feeling, you know, what, what, it what it feels like. And, and it, you know, a lot of people uh, that I work with get a little bit stuck with, um, kind of the first step. So they think, oh, well, if, if I like, you know, I just, if I like animals and the only, the only option is to work in an animal shelter. And then I I don't feel like that particular vocation, you know, would pay the bills. Well, okay. But there's a lot more ways that you could work with animals. So let's not get stuck there and start exploring. And that's what I, you know, when I talk about the leads, okay, right. right, Start there. Absolutely. You got to start somewhere. So start there, see how you feel about that particular role. Um, and then and then kind of follow what excites you and what repels you. And then look for the next step. It, it, what it takes is creativity. Mm-hmm. Back to I have several of your questions today. Um, that's what it takes is creativity and intention. Um, just being willing to think of possibilities. Um, you don't have to do it alone. You can work with a significant other or a friend or a mentor or whoever. Um, but just being intentional to take that time to think about how can I do both? How can I do what I love and make money at it? How can I um, work from home and, you know, have colleagues I love? I, whatever the whatever the question is you're trying to ask, it just requires some uh, creativity and intention.
0: Mm-hmm. The book that I was trying to think of is "How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big" by Scott Adams.
1: <laughs> sounds like a great book.
0: He is the um, cartoonist, by the way. Uh, it's, Funny, I speak of animation. Uh, he is a cart. He's the cartoonist of the Dilbert cartoons. If you're familiar with those, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he's an interesting guy. He has a um, a YouTube channel that he's he, every morning. He I think he calls it um, Coffee with Scott Adams. It's it's interesting the topics he covers. He sort of like covers and talks about the news of the day and his take on it. It's it's interesting. Um, but he does have a few career advice things that I've found interesting. They're sort of thinking outside of the box of just your normal thing. Um, so, Ashley, um, before we start wrapping it up, um, maybe another uh, good question to round that out would be, um, I don't know if you have any statistics on hand, but uh, maybe you have any other statistics about jobs and sort of um, what we're looking at, as well as what, if not, or as well as um, maybe what would be some career advice that you might give either a young person that's in their 20s or maybe someone that's career changing like that's in their 30s up to their 60s Mm -hmm.
1: yeah um i i guess i'll start with your second question um i don't Mm. offhand have any statistics that come to mind but as far as advice i think uh you know one thing i see people struggle with is stepping stones if you will So there seems on both ends of that spectrum that you're talking about, somebody changing a career or someone just starting out, there there just seems to be a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves. It could be external as well um, to find that perfect next thing. And sometimes it doesn't work that way. (laughs) Sometimes in order to get to point C, you gotta go through point A and point B. um, and, And maybe that means taking a job that's a pay cut, and but that doesn't mean you stay there. It's a stepping stone. The point is you're getting somewhere. So you're getting closer. That's what matters is that you get closer uh, to, to what you love. So if you if you sit around waiting for the perfect job to come, I mean, in my case, it took seven years from the time that I was sitting there thinking, what do I want to do? What's meaningful to me to, the, to today? When I I have my dream job, it's not something that's going to happen overnight for most people. So just taking that pressure off from having a stepping stone is huge. It is as long as you don't stay there. It's 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 a it's a means to get somewhere else. And as long as you're getting closer, that's what matters.
0: Oh, great! Yeah. All right, Ashley. Well, I think we'll wrap it up. But unless you um, do, you have any other final thoughts for us today? Uh, any gleaming thoughts that come to mind? about your business and what you do?
1: Oh goodness. yeah, I would just say you know again just kind of reiterate something I said earlier is is that n- none of us are guaranteed tomorrow or next week you know mm-hmm. uh, life is I would just say life is too short to to live in a job where you're miserable and um, it's up to you to make that that positive change. no one is is going to do that for you. so I would just encourage people to yeah. to really take that step to to find meaningful work because you deserve it and we only get one life. <laughs>
0: That's true. Well, I think I've got a lot more questions to ask you, but maybe I can have you on again sometime and uh, we can get a little bit more into it. I'd also love to talk more about how, um, you know, being a female entrepreneur, you know, in today's um, crazy economy is how um, your faith plays a role in these things and so forth. So maybe next time I have you on, we'll get more into that stuff if, you, uh, if you're up for it.
1: Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Part okay.
0: Two. What about um, your how people if you, um, you want anybody to get in touch with you or um, have you or you know see what you do? Do you want to give any websites or anything?
1: Sure. It's it's uh, just what we've been talking about. My company name: flourishingworkllc.com. Uh, So that's, that's probably the easiest way because there are links there to all my social media and things from there and my email and phone number and so forth. But uh, I would say most of my followers are on Instagram. So that that's same thing, Flourishing Work LLC. So either of those.
0: Okay, Ashley. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. It's been a pleasure as well. Take care. Okay.
0: Thanks, everybody.